Welcome everyone to episode 12 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host Matthew, and Happy New Year to everyone. This episode is coming in on New Year's Eve, in case you're listening after the New Year. Part of today's episode comes from a new book that I received for Christmas called Unsolved Murders and Disappearances in Northeast Ohio. So I hope you enjoy that story. The second part, instead of another story, I have found a few more creepy 911 call audios for you. Now let's get on with the episode. So sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. Saturday, June 3rd, 1944, 18-year-old high school football player Sam Winters was getting off the bus from his job at the Pittsburgh Crucible Steel Plant in Midland, Pennsylvania. He worked the night shift, so it was around 7.30 in the morning. Sam lived in East Liverpool, Ohio, which sits right on the Ohio River near Pennsylvania and West Virginia. As he was walking home down a cutoff street that connected River Road and Hill Road, he saw two bare feet sticking out from underneath a blanket. Those bare feet belonged to a still unknown woman. She was young, somewhere between 25 and 30 years old. She was described as a pretty young woman with brown hair, five feet, six inches tall, and she weighed 125 pounds. Immediately after seeing the bare feet sticking out from underneath the blanket, Sam ran to the nearest phone and called the police. Sergeant Herman Roth was the first police officer on the scene, and after an initial search to verify what Sam had reported, Sergeant Roth left Sam to guard the scene while he went to call for backup. With the help of Police Chief Hugh McDermott, a patrolman, and the county coroner, they began their investigation. They found the mystery woman about 10 feet from the road, lying on her back not far from the Pittsburgh Railroad underpass. She was almost nude except for a torn and ripped pink slip that had been pulled up under her arms, and she was wrapped in two cheap blankets that looked used and tied up with clothesline. Sheriff George Hayes was then notified of the murder, and he also came to the scene to help out. The first thing he did was to make plaster casts of some tire marks that were found nearby. The unknown woman was taken to the Dawson Funeral Home where the coroner gave her an autopsy. 
he found bruises on her left shoulder at the base of her neck and discoloration in her face, indicating that she had been strangled. However, he wasn't sure if she had been strangled by hand or with a rope. He estimated that she had only died about two hours earlier due to her body still being warm, but the blankets could have helped her maintain that temperature. They noticed that her ears were pierced, and a small pair of hoop earrings were the only thing on her body. There was nothing else that could help them identify her. The funeral home photographed her and prepared her for burial, while the police took the photos around the local businesses and bars to see if anyone could identify the woman. But sadly, no one recognized her. There was a few people that came to view her body and said that she looked familiar to them, but they weren't sure who she was. They thought that she might be from East Liverpool and they sent her fingerprints to the FBI to see if they can identify her. But their search turned up empty as well. As the tips began coming in, the police started to follow up on some leads. One thing in particular they started to look at was the Sheasley Carnival, which had just been in town. They wondered if she had been a part of the traveling show. They also began to sort through all of the trash left behind, and a man that was searching found a box that contained two torn dresses and a ripped skirt. Sheriff Hayes followed a lead after finding a photograph of five dancing girls. The picture had been taken at Columbian Park, where the carnival had taken place, and one of the ladies in the picture closely resembled the unknown dead woman. The girl in the picture didn't show up for two of the dance shows in Lima, Ohio, the next location of the carnival, so the police thought that they had identified their Jane Doe. But after talking to the carnival officials, he sent a telegram back to East Liverpool to let them know that the woman in the photograph had returned and been accounted for. After these first leads, the local newspaper referred to her as, quote, carnival girl. Another lead came in from a man that lived just down the road from where her body was found. He said that at about 4.10 in the morning, the morning she was found, he was putting his car in his garage when he noticed a car on the road. It switched its lights off and turned onto State Street near the railroad underpass. The witness said that he was positive that the car's license plate was not blue and white, therefore it couldn't have been from Ohio. He also said he saw no one inside the car except for the driver. The police received dozens of phone calls from people for a description of the woman, wondering if it might have been their missing family member or friend. Calls came from all around the area. They came from Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and as far south as South Carolina. None of them ever went anywhere and they were at a loss. If they couldn't identify her, then they couldn't come up with a motive or even a suspect. 1,500 people came to the funeral home to view her body, some out of simple curiosity and most hoping to find a lost loved one. On Tuesday, June 6th, the funeral home held a simple service and she was buried in an unmarked grave in Springs Grove Cemetery in East Liverpool, Ohio. No one knows who's responsible for her death, and no one even knows who she is. She will forever be remembered as simply 
Carnival Girl. Such a sad story to forever be known as Carnival Girl. I truly hope that someday the truth is made public about this poor woman and they find out who she was. I'm sure whoever murdered her is long gone, or hopefully they committed another crime that they were caught for and died in jail. On to the next part of our show. I have a few 911 call audios for you. One of them sounds like it's from Hamilton, Ohio, and the second one is from Hartford, Connecticut. These are actual 911 calls, so they are pretty intense. Listener discretion is advised. Hamilton County, 911 here. At East Park, please, What's the address? Um, my dad and my mom got shot. You say your brother and your mom is doing what? My mama and my dad got shot. They got, they're and fighting? Um, no, the dude shot them. What's, what's your address? I don't know. Are you on East 13th Street? Uh-huh. Okay, and what happened? Um, my daddy and my, my, my mama got shot. Okay, who you, who, who there with you right now? Nobody. You know who did it? No, but can you come? What's your name? Huh? How old are you? Five. Okay, where is your mom and dad at right now? At East Fourteenth Street in the house. They where? At East Fourteenth Street at the house. Okay, where are you? I'm at home with them. You, you, you just you, your mom and your dad is the only one there. Uh huh. And they got shot. Okay, where? Unfortunately, the audio just abruptly cuts off, so I'm not sure if the parents were shot and if they lived or died, but it was pretty sad to hear a a little child calling because of his parents being shot. Hopefully, if they were, they caught whoever did it. Now, this next one, before I play it, I just want to warn everybody that it is very intense, if you remember the woman who was attacked by the chimpanzee in Connecticut and had her face pretty much ripped off. She did survive, but this is a very horrific 911 call. It's time for 911. Where's your emergency? This is Katie from 231 Rock 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 my friend! What's the problem with your friend? Oh, please! What's the problem with your friend? I need to know. Where's the police officer? With a gun! With a gun! Hurry you're, up! You're off the gun. Please, hurry up! He's killing my girlfriend! What is the problem? He's killing my friend! Who's killing your friend? My chimpanzee! Oh, your chimpanzee please. is killing your friend. Yes. He ripped their part. Hurry up! With a gun. Please. There's someone on the way. Well, God, please, you shoot him. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what the monkey's doing. He, he ripped her face off. He ripped her face off? He tried to 
Okay, I need you to calm down a little bit. They're on the way. Can you push yourself away? I don't want the monkey attacking you. Please, hurry up. Listen to me. Uh, they're on the way, ma'am. They gotta shoot them, please. Please, hurry, hurry. Are you there with your friend? I need you to help your friend. Can you go help your friend? I can't. He tried to attack me now. Is he still there with your friend? Yes. Okay, so then back off. Then don't get any closer, okay? They're already on the way. Please. If the monkey moves away from your friend, let me know, okay? So we can try I to help your friend. No. No, I can't. She's dead. She's dead. Why Why are you saying that she's dead? She's dead. He ripped her apart. He ripped what apart? Her face? My, everything. He ripped her apart? Listen, I think I'm going to sleep. I think I'm going to pass nope, nope, just breathe, okay? I'm going to stay I with you on the phone until they get there. Listen, please, hurry. Please, please, hurry. I'm sure that some of you might remember in February of 2009, it was Travis the Chimp. He was actually a pretty famous chimp. He had appeared on TV shows and commercials. But he attacked and mauled his owner's best friend in Stamford, Connecticut. He blinded her, severed several of her body parts, and lacerated her face before he was shot dead by a responding police officer. The woman did survive, thankfully. Well, that's going to do it for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. A five-star rating goes a long way to helping others find this podcast and helping it grow. If you're on Spotify, they recently added a rating system as well, so please rate us on there. If you'd like to help support us, consider subscribing on Patreon. There's three affordable tiers to choose from, with some extra perks not everyone gets. Speaking of the Patreon, I had said that the first bonus episode was going to release this week, but with work and the holidays, I just haven't had the time to get it finished, but it will be out early next week. Make sure to join us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram for all the latest news. If you have a story of your own that you would like to share with the podcast, send me an email at ohio underscore unsolved at yahoo.com or send me a message on Facebook. I'd love to share your story in a future episode. Now I'll sign off saying Happy New Year's to everyone. Make sure to keep your doors and windows locked and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved.